Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, we are going to be in John chapter 10 today, verses 1 through 21. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, if you have the Version Bible app, there should be an event in there, assuming that I did everything correctly. Um, it will be there, but perfect. So there we go. But John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21 is where we're going to be if you want to go ahead and prep for that. Um, so here's the thing. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Patriot. It's a movie starring Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger, R.I.P., and uh, Jason Isaacs, better known as Lucius Malfoy for you Harry Potter folks. Just throwing that out there. Um, and it's about the Revolutionary War. And I will tell you that, whether it should be or not, one of my favorite movies. Love it. Could watch it every day and never get tired of it. There is a scene in this movie where Heath Ledger is, is sent out to rouse up a militia, and he's going from small town to small town, and in one of the small towns, he rouses up a militia. And when it comes time to leave, uh, a, a local parishioner notices that the minister joys, joins the militiamen as, as they're about to go. And this, this is what happens next. Reverend? The shepherd must tend his flock. And at times, fight off the wolves. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's like number two movie speech, and it was like four letters right behind the Independence Day. Today we'll have our independence. Like, I'm just saying, that right there chills every time. As a pastor, I'm pretty sure it's my mantra. One day I'm going to have it, like, burned into a piece of wood because it's awesome. But today we're going to focus on that, and we're going to see in Scripture uh, the protective nature of God the Father and Christ the Son. And as we discuss Jesus the Good Shepherd, and we will see that not only does he tend to his flock, but... He is more than willing to fight off the wolves. So as I said, we are going to be in John 10, 1 through 21. I'm going to read the whole thing for us, and then we'll dive back into it. Uh, bear with me, okay? It says this, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own... He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep, and all who have ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that, you may, that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen and I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But the other said, These are not sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So, verses 1 through 6, Jesus' first attempt at explaining why he's here on earth. And I'm only bringing them up uh, because it has one of my favorite verses in the whole chapter, when in verse 6 it says, uh, the Pharisees didn't get it. He's like, they didn't get it, so Jesus had to tell them again, right? Now, I I have to be honest, that happens to me so often in Scripture, I kind of felt like maybe I'm a Pharisee, but I'm glad I'm not. I'm just not the only one who struggles sometimes to find meaning in the Word. But Jesus was like, hey, look, I'm making this pretty clear. They didn't get it. And so then he goes on, right? In his next verses, uh, he makes things very clear for them. And this is the first thing that we learn in this scripture today is that Jesus is the gate through which those who want to access the kingdom must pass. Okay, we're going to look at verses 7 and 9 again. 7 says, Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And 9, he tells us, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved he will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, these two verses, they mimic John fourteen six, where Jesus tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's not a very popular, popular opinion in, in society today because um, we kind of have this view that, you know, you believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, and then we'll all end up in the same place. But here's the thing. If you want to get into God's sheep pen, you have to go through the Jesus door. Okay, if you want to get in God's sheep pen, you have to go through the Jesus door. He makes it clear all throughout Scripture. He makes it clear again in 14.6. He just says it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me, in case you had any questions. And so I find it funny in society and, and, and sad, to be honest, maybe sad is a better word than funny, that people can live however they want, and the moment they die, it's, well, God has gained another angel. How do we know Satan hasn't gained another demon? Now that's harsh, but I want you to hear that because as Christians we have a responsibility to make sure that those around us and those that we love know that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and that they're not getting there any other way except through a belief in him. We do nothing good for society in allowing the narrative that you can live however you want and you can do however you want, and if a couple people think that you are a good person, you somehow made it to heaven. And that's not how it works. It's just not. And we do no one a favor by allowing that narrative. It's dangerous. And quite frankly, it does not reflect Christ's love. It just doesn't. Okay? Christ lovingly said, I need you to know that I am the way, I am the truth, I am the gate that you must go through to get to God. And His whole purpose here on earth is making sure that people understood that. He came to spread that message, and to die to make it happen. And if we as Christians allow the narrative around us that you live however you want and that's okay, and I'll live this way, and that's great too, and at the end of the day we'll both be fine, we're false prophets. And we're false teachers. And Jesus goes on to talk about that in, in the next verse. And, and, you know, the one thing I want us to understand is that Jesus is here, like I said, he's here for one purpose, Okay. He's here um, that you and I have life. It's his one desire. It's his one purpose for being on earth. It's the one reason that he traveled the world teaching is because he wanted creation 
His creation to have life. And at times, um, as I said, we're going to look at we're going to look at eight through ten. I'm sorry. It says, um, "All who have ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them." And then in ten, he tells us, "The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full." See, Jesus makes it very clear in these two verses that he's not going anywhere. He has skin in the game. Jesus wasn't the first teacher coming to these people saying, I'm the Messiah. He wasn't the first teacher coming to them saying that I have the answers. He wasn't the first teacher coming to them saying, follow this way and you will be saved. But unlike Jesus, all those other teachers faded away because when they faced opposition, when things got tough, when their lives were threatened, they disappeared. Much like the hired hand, how he is different than the shepherd, right? He doesn't own the sheep. He doesn't care about the sheep. When, when the wolf shows up, he flees. But Jesus is saying right here in the beginning, I'm not like these guys. I'm different than what you've experienced before. And I, I want to be very clear that this next principle I'm about to share, to be 100% honest, it is not specifically seen in this scripture. Okay, and what I mean by that is this scripture is specifically talking about false teachers, but I think that it's applicable to other things in life. So hear me out. We all chase things in life to find life, right? If I get this job, I'll have life. If I get in this relationship, I'll have life. If I go on this vacation, this vacation will give me life. And the thing is that eventually that life that we receive from these things that we just have to have that will give us life fades away. See, Jesus came to give life. And that's not to say that we can't get life through an occupation when Jesus puts that occupation in our life. That's not to say that Jesus can't bring a relationship about in our life that truly gives us life. But the things that we follow and the things that we chase, they must be of Jesus. They must be of Jesus. Jesus has to be the heart and the center of everything that we do. And only then will you truly have life. Only then. And as I said before, Jesus, he has one desire. And he lived for one reason and he died for one purpose. And that's that you, his creation, have life. And he knows that in order to give you life, at times a shepherd must fight off the wolves. That's point number three today. Look at 11 through 15 with me and this is what they say. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand doesn't, right? We just talked about that. He is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What Jesus does here in the beginning is uh, an emphatic exclamation. Okay, this isn't just... I'm the good shepherd. This is, I need you guys to know, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. It's a statement. It's powerful. He's not just having a conversation. He wants them to know. He's staking claim to their lives that I am the good shepherd. I am here for you. Just like last week when he told us that I am the bread of life. Remember in Exodus 3 with me, right? When Moses Moses is being called by God to go and deliver a message to the Israelites and he wants some backing. He says, look, I will go and I will deliver your message, but what is this message that you have 
Like, who do, who do I tell them sent me? And what's God say? Tell them, I am sent you. Tell them, I am sent you. A theologian by the name of Parker states that in this instance, God announces himself as personal, independent, and self-existent. There is no word to quantify or limit his personality. It is, so to speak, pure being. It is infinite life. It is the fountain out of which all other lives start. Jesus gives life in and of himself, and he's drawing us back to this statement in the Old Testament because I am the good shepherd, and from me comes life, and I have that authority, and it derives from right here. And if you follow my message, and you follow my word, and you believe in what I have to tell you here today, you will be saved. You will have life. It's that simple. He knows you. That was my phone, in case anybody wanted to know. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's what that was. He knows you. He lays down his life for you. And unlike the other things in life that you may chase or you may follow after, he doesn't fade away. He doesn't fade away. See, when you face wolves in your life, and we can put whatever situation we want in place of wolves, when we face a task, when we face something that we feel is about to overcome us, God doesn't flee. God doesn't say, well, I was here when it was good, but it's bad. You're on your own. He's there standing with the staff. I'm imagining some sort of kung fu, right? Like crazy staff work, hooking wolves' necks and beating them up, and he's right there with us. He doesn't leave you. We live in a world that when things get really tough, Oftentimes we're abandoned. We all know what that feels like. Right? We all know what that feels like. And hopefully in our lives we also have people who stick by our side and we know how good that feels as well. Jesus is here saying that I am sticking by you to the point where I will lay down my life for you. So here's the thing about Jesus. It doesn't matter if his flock is a thousand sheep or if he's just got Mary's little lamb sitting right next to him. He will fight off the wolves. And he will die for you if necessary. And he did die for you. And from him comes life. The good shepherd willingly died for his flock. Here's the good news. If you're alive, you're in that flock. I want to be clear about this because I'm not saying that as long as you're alive, you're part of Jesus' you know, family and, and, and you're, you're, you're going to go to heaven. But what I am saying that is, if you are alive at any point, you have the opportunity to be part of Jesus' flock. There's one qualification. It's that you're alive and you believe. Those two things, part of Jesus' flock. Verse 16 through 19, is, these, are what the, blah, 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 these are what they say to us. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one comes to take it from me, but I lay, down, I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. I'm going to stop there. Jesus screams... Screams inclusion at the beginning of these verses. 
Right? Remember that the main focus of his crowd in this day were Jews. Right? He came to reshape the way Jews uh, thought about the Messiah. He came to deliver a message of life. He came to deliver a message of inclusion, which to that point in their society was not part of it. Right? You had Jews, the great, wonderful, God-fearing, legalistic, abiding by the rules Jews, and then you had every other dirty person that was on that earth. And so in life, you're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. We all understand that, right? You're either Jewish or you're not Jewish, and if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Now, some of you may have a Jewish heritage, and congratulations if you do, but I'm going to assume that most of you are no good, dirty, disgusting Gentiles like me. (laughs) And the greatness of what Jesus does here is that he's saying, listen, there's nothing you can do that keeps you from the opportunity to be a part of my flock. Now, this applies to so many different areas in our lives because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all have things that make us feel just a little dirty, that make us feel a little cracked or a little broken or a little unworthy, that make us feel like we just don't match up to the level of what Jesus wants from one of his sheep. And right here in this verse, Jesus says, look, I'm here for all of you. I'm here for all of you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've eaten. I don't care what law you've broke. I don't care what religious sect you're a part of. I'm here to deliver life, and as long as you believe in that and you believe in me, you will have it. And a lot of you are here this morning, and you're like, yeah, I already got that message. I'm, I'm Christian. I know that I was dirty and... <laughs> gross and sinful and and Jesus came and he wiped that away with his death on a cross that he did so willingly but how many people in our lives and 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 people we know around us need to hear that message and who is going to share that message well we'll just let the pastor take care of it on Sunday did you invite anybody to church (laughs) Did you get anybody through the doors for the pastor to handle that for you? Well, I know Sarah. Sarah's a Christian. She's in the office. She'll take care of it. Right? It's on us. It's on each and every one of us. Because we are in the flock of the Good Shepherd, and the flock is inclusive to all. And if you have anybody in your life that's not a part of that flock, they are welcome. And it's your job to deliver that message. It's your job to let them know that. And this statement of inclusion is so important because he goes on in verses 17 and 18 and he says that the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life. And he goes on to say, and I do so willingly. Right? Just to not have any confusion. Just so people don't think, well, God forced Jesus' son to come and die on the cross and it wasn't really love because he was forced to do it. At any point in time, Jesus could have said, you know what, I'm out. (laughs) Peace. I don't want this. That's the last time I'm getting spit on. That's the last time somebody tries to abuse me. That's the last time somebody tries to kill me. I don't want any of this. I'm out. And yet Jesus willingly went and died on a cross, and he did it specifically for you. And he did it specifically for your friends and he did it specifically for your family and he did it specifically for your enemies. He did it for the people you love. He did it for the people you hate. He did it for the people that you like and he did it for the people that you can't stand. And none of us get to determine 
Who gets to be a part of that flock? Jesus has already done that. And guess what? It's all of us. Jesus is blowing minds here because he's saying, look, I'm willing to lay down my life for you, but not just you, my Jewish friends. I'm willing to lay down my life for the Gentiles, for those that you won't look at, for those that you won't do business with, for those that you don't want in your synagogue, for those that you won't allow in your house, for those that you don't even want to be on this earth. I'm here for all of it. Jesus' love isn't conditional. There's nothing you have to do to receive it. He loves you because you are his creation. Remember we talked about uh, John chapter 1, we said, I am the word, like, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was life and nothing was created that wasn't created through the word. Jesus has skin in the game. You are his creation. He loves you. He came to die for you. That's important. And there's nothing you're done or there's nothing you can do or there's nothing that you think about or want to have happen that will make Jesus look at you and say, I don't love you. And then he follows it up at the end of this chapter with probably the most powerful statement that he makes in the whole thing. He goes on to say in 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, meaning his life, and I have authority to take it back up again. This command I receive from my Father. Who has the ability to take and give life? God, right? And God alone. Jesus makes it very clear in this statement that I have the power. I have the power to give life and to take life. So I will give my life and I will take my life back. But in doing so, he's saying everything I say here is backed by the power of Almighty God. And so when I tell you that I'm here for everyone, that's backed by God. And when I tell you that I'm the only way that you're going to get in God's sheep pen, that's backed by the power of God. And all these statements that I make to you today where I tell you that I'm not going anywhere and where I tell you that I will lay down my life for you and where I tell you that I love you, all that's backed by the power of God. We all have times in our life where we face difficulty. Sometimes things that seem absolutely impossible. But you know what? You're backed by the power of God. Live in that today. Live in that today. God didn't call us to be fearful. And we're not alone. He's there with us every step of the way. He's made that clear. Live in the power of God because he is the giver of life and I promise you that more than anything, he wants to give you life. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have shown us in our lives. We thank you for the power that you have to tell us that it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what sin we've committed. It doesn't matter how dirty we think we are, that, Lord, you can make us clean and that you love us enough to do so. God, you came down on this earth from a place of comfort to deliver a message that hadn't been heard before. You faced opposition. You faced hatred. You were beat. 
You were broken. You were hung on a cross. And at the end of the day, you said, it's all worth it. Father, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and I know that no one gets to the Father except through you. And so I pray that for each and every one of us, we take that, we hold on to it, we meditate on it, God, and that we share that message with the world around us. Because you are here to give life, not to steal, not to destroy, not to take away, but to improve. We serve a God that is almighty, that is powerful, whose word is backed by the Father. The power of God is in everything you say. And when we believe, it's in us too. So God, I pray that anybody today that has something on their heart where they need to come speak with me and I'll be in the back over on the, my left-hand side, your right, God, I pray that you, you convict them to come do so, that you don't allow them to leave this place without getting off their chest, whatever it is that's on their chest. God, let us take it together to you, lay it at your feet, and let go of it. Because you are God Almighty. And we have your power to let those things that drag us down go. All these things I pray in your name. Amen.